I'm a local loan officer in West Palm Beach, Florida. I've been in the mortgage industry for the last eight years. I've worked in the industry throughout the country. I've closed over a thousand loans during my career, so I've seen it all. I'm on a mission to make mortgages both entertaining and educational. Welcome to Lending with Leah. This is the podcast for anyone thinking of potentially owning, in the process of buying, or even owns their own home. The magic button didn't work. If you guys listen to the show at all, there's a little soundboard, and usually I do a magical button, but today, you know, it's not working. So we're just going to use our imagination. Oh, sparkle, sparkle, magical, magical. Yay. (laughs) All right. So in today's episode for you guys, we're going to go through, as I like to call it, the mortgage cookie jar. How many hands are in this cookie jar trying to make it happen? It's a lot. It's a lot. It takes a lot of work, elbow grease, and a little bit of magic to make your real estate, home buying, mortgage transaction a real thing. There's a lot that goes into it. And there's so many different parties that are involved, and there's probably a lot more than you might think that are involved. And because of this, it can kind of, mm, I don't want to use the term mess things up, but could kind of mess things up or make it go really smoothly. So my goal today is to really give you guys a little bit of a peek behind the curtain as far as all the different roles that can really come into play with buying a home, what the importance is of each one, and maybe where some things can go wrong. Because let's face it, we hear all the time, you know, people will say, oh, when I got my mortgage, I I had all these documents come up at the ninth hour or I missed my closing date and all these things come up and it's like, why? Well, I'll tell you why. And it's a lot to do with this just because there are so many people involved, so many different parties, and each one plays a very important role. It's kind of like a clock with the cogs turning. And if one of those cogs goes out of whack, it can kind of throw the whole thing out of whack. Now, if you had to guess, guess how many potential parties can be involved in a real estate transaction, your home buying process. Just guess. Guess. No one? Upwards of 16. Upwards of 16 different parties can be involved in your transaction. That is insane like when I was kind of writing out some show notes for today and I'm like oh I think this will be a good episode let's really teach people on all the different roles involved what can go wrong what can go right and I started writing them out and I'm like oh my goodness like it didn't even quite register in my brain how many parties are involved in the transaction and I'm going through it and I'm like oh yeah uh-huh uh-huh I get it. I get it. And it made sense to like, I've bought a bought in. I've bought a couple homes before as well. And same thing, even 
being in the mortgage industry, working in this on a day-to-day basis, like you guys, even I still ran into last minute, like, Hey, it's the day before closing and we need this. And I'm like, but I already sent it to you. Well, it, it has to do with this. So it just, it happens. So let's kind of start going through. I'm going to break it out for you guys. I have, let's see, one, two, three, four, four different kind of categories of parties involved in the transaction. So the first piece we're going to go over is we're going to touch on the real estate side because let's, let's be honest, some of you guys are not getting a mortgage. Some of you guys are lucky or not just say lucky, but work hard, save your money, whatever it is you do, and you get to buy a home cash. Great. So some of these won't apply to you, but a lot of these will as well, even if you're buying a home cash. So there's still things that can kind of go awry or there's still a lot of parties involved. So this is good information for you guys to know too. All right, real estate side. So first party, you, where's, where's my, yay, you, you as the buyer, yeah, you are a big part of this transaction. Without you, there, there's no transaction, right? If there's not a buyer to purchase the home, then there's no one buying the home. So you play an incredible role in your process, incredible all the way through, right? From picking the home, getting your pre-approval, sending your documents to the mortgage company on time or to the title company, answering questions, all of that's gonna come into play. So parties can do everything right, but let's say let's say I'm your lender, right? I'm your loan officer and you know, you go under contract for a home We go to the underwriter, the underwriter gives us a list of items we need to get your final loan approval. And we get you that list right away. But if you take two, three weeks to send those items, well, you might miss your closing date. So your role in this is incredibly important. Do not ever downgrade your role in your own home buying process. You have a lot more leeway and power and say so than you might think you do. And in a lot of cases, unless you're maybe doing a for sale by owner, you probably have a buyer's agent that's working for you, with you. And your buyer's agent is going to potentially help connect you to a loan officer, uh, to other parties, maybe a title company, And they're also going to be helping you find your home. They're going to be doing the negotiations for you. That's your buyer's agent. And they do a whole lot more than that. We've done other episodes where we've kind of talked in a lot more detail about the role of an agent and the role of your lender. So go back and listen to those episodes if you really want some more fine-tuned detail on it. But your buyer's agent, they're there to help you They're there to represent you. You know, sometimes you will see where maybe another party would be a listing agent, right? The listing agent is the person who usually represents the seller, who's a fourth party in this transaction, right? You have to have an owner of a home 
a seller who's selling their property to you, the buyer. I know this is like, it sounds so simple, but we're going to break it down into nice little baby food for you guys. And that listing agent is going to negotiate with your buyer's agent to come to an agreement. Now, there are times and cases where maybe a listing agent will represent you as the buyer and the seller. Me personally, it doesn't or shouldn't cost you any money as the buyer to have your own representation. It's not a bad idea to find yourself an agent that can represent your needs, your wants, fully yours. Because if you have a listing agent that's representing you and the buyer, well, you know, they're representing both of you guys. And so they're looking after both of your needs, which is great, but I think it's also a great idea to have someone who's fully representing your needs, your wants, your desires. So normally how a real estate transaction goes too is that the seller is going to be the one paying the buyer and the listing agent's commission. That's why I say that oftentimes you as the buyer are not going to have to pay to have your own agent, your own representation. So take advantage of it. One more party that I'm going to throw on there for you guys kind of in this section here. And this one may or may not come into play, but a lot of real estate agents will have transaction coordinators. Sometimes your buyer's agent and your listing agent may each have their own transaction coordinator. It's a lot of people to like coordinate with right there already, right? Your buyer, the seller, each of your guys' agents. And then, oh my goodness, if they each also have a transaction coordinator, it's a lot, right? We're talking six people there alone before we get into any of the other pieces of it. Now, transaction coordinators, uh, I do do a lot of communication as a loan officer with transaction coordinators. I've worked with some fantastic ones and I've worked with some not fantastic ones too you know so maybe something to ask right if your agent has a transaction coordinator maybe ask to speak with them too get to know them right you know take this is your home buying process this is yours you're the one buying the home so you know feel empowered take it into your own hands Talk to everyone that's going to be involved so you really feel comfortable and secure with everyone you're going to be working with. Because at the end of the day, all these people are involved in making this happen. You know, so talk to them. If your buyer's agent has a transaction coordinator, give them a call. Just say, hey, you know, you're going to be helping me, doing stuff with me. Um, I'm going to be sharing maybe some personal information with you. I just want to say hi. Food for thought. <laughs> Next, title company. So there's going to be a couple different roles within a title company. And I do think I actually would really like to get uh, someone with a title company in here as a guest that can really explain title to everyone. Because that is, I know a little bit, but it is not my area of expertise, but it's such a valuable 
and necessary and required part of a home buying transaction, that it'd probably be a good idea to bring someone in here. But I'm going to focus more so on two different roles within a title company. So usually what I see when we're contacting a title company, usually this is picked uh, and decided on between you as the buyer, the seller, listing agent, buyer's agent. Usually between the four of you guys, you come up with a title company. By the time I as the lender get your contract, usually the title company has been decided by that point. So we already know who to reach out to. Out to them. And oftentimes we'll see maybe two people that are working on it. You'll kind of maybe hear it called like an escrow officer or a title agent. You know, this is usually someone who's working on getting us title work and fees and all these other things. Because believe it or not, in order to get a final approval on your mortgage, we actually have to have a decent chunk of information back from the title company. And something else, if you've listened to the episode on closing costs that I did, there's title fees. Now, remember, we as the lender don't actually get title fees until you're already under contract, usually maybe a little bit of the way through the process, but yet we're still responsible for disclosing title fees to you guys. So one of the things I usually tell my clients, each loan officer is a little bit different, but I usually try to disclose maybe a little bit higher in title fees up front just because I don't have them yet. And I would much rather you guys prepare for worst case scenario that gets better than, you know, hey, low and then your funds to close go up at the end. But we get those fees from the title company. Once we get all that verified, we update our fees to match what they have. You know, so we really have to work in conjunction with the title company. Title company is also the one that's going to be usually doing your closing. They're handling all that. So we got to coordinate with them. There's a lot of moving pieces there. And the second role within a title company that sometimes I see, because sometimes your escrow title officer or agent, maybe they do all the title work, but they might not actually be handling your closing. I see that quite often. So you might have your own closer with a title company that's responsible for, you know, balancing all the numbers, actually doing your closing with you, funding your loan, things like that. Mm. Interesting story, a little bit of a, a little bit of a scary story about just how important the role of a title company is. So this was, oh gosh, maybe year and a half, two years ago, I was doing a loan for a client and it was kind of coming down to the wire, right? We were getting the clear to close. Meh, definitely not as soon as we wanted to, but to the point where we could still make closing that day. It was going to be tight, but we could definitely do a late afternoon closing. We got the clear to close. We got everything balanced. Like I got the buyer. I'm like, okay, the title company said you can come in at 4:30. Here's the final numbers. Go send your wire. Like and show up there for closing. Like I had spoken, spoke on the phone 
with the title agent, confirmed that we were closing today, the time, the location. And I'm like, oh, phew. Like, we made it. It was tough there at the end, but we got it. And I get a call at 4, a little after 4.30 from my buyer, freaking out because he showed up to the title company and no one was there. No one. Like, literally, door shut, boarded up, locked up, not a soul there. And it was Friday, too, right? Right before the weekend. And we're calling, we're calling, no one's answering. We found the title agent's cell phone. She would not answer. We're Facebook messaging her, like, did you die? What, like, what happened? Come to find out, she was going on vacation that weekend. And I don't know if there was a miscommunication uh, or what, or if she decided to just leave. But that's essentially what happened. She ended up closing up shop early. She left to go on vacation, did not answer anyone all weekend. And then we got a call Monday morning for the client to come in. So because of that, we were ready to go. Again, definitely a little a little tight, a little rushed. Not the way we like to do things, but it happens. We were going to get it done. But we couldn't close. We couldn't, we were ready to close. The buyer was there, but because the title company decided to not show up, which mind you, this is not the only time I've seen that happen to. I've seen it happen probably three or four times over the last decade. So it does happen. And the buyer couldn't close on Friday. He had to wait a whole weekend and then close on Monday. So that's what I'm kind of talking to you guys about too, is just how important and how vital all these roles are within the industry and within your transaction, because you could have everything done, but if the title company who's doing your closing doesn't show up, there's nothing your lender can do about it. Nothing. <laughs> so that just to kind of like help you guys understand really how important and vital everything is. Now, going to transition into the mortgage roles. So this one, obviously, definitely my area of expertise. You're listening to Lending with Leah. So even though we bring in lots of different aspects of the real estate industry into this show, lending is ultimately the key center core thing of what the show is about. So let's talk about the mortgage rules because there's a lot of hands in the mortgage cookie jar. A lot of them. We'll kind of go in order for you guys too. So first person you're usually going to talk to in the mortgage world is your loan officer. Your loan officer or your mortgage broker, pretty much the same thing. <laughs> uh, we did do an episode on some of the differences. So always go back, listen to that if you want more detail on it. But the first person you're usually going to speak with is your loan officer. So, hi, Leah, loan officer. What do I do? My job is to put together your loan, right? I talk to you. We go through your questions. We do an intake. What are you looking for? Where do you want to be? What are you comfortable with? On and on and on. And then I say, okay, 
great, here's an application. Please fill this out for me. And you're going to fill out an application. And then it's my job to structure your loan, get you the best deal possible and say, okay, I can pre-approve you for this type of loan, X amount in this area. And then I'm there with you the whole process, you know, from start to finish. Now, I know I have, and many other loan officers also have, maybe a, you'll hear the term a little bit different, but it's all relatively the same thing. Maybe a loan officer assistant, a loan partner, assistant, you know, LOA, loan officer assistant. <laughs> so this is someone like uh, my, my loan officer assistant. She is wonderful. We work hand in hand with each other. Like really, I could not do what I do without her. So each partnership or each lender, it might break out these roles a little bit different. You know, I'll explain kind of how me and my assistant do things is that I'm taking your initial intake call, right? I'm the one who's licensed. So anything as far as your loan programs, your fees, locking your rate, all of those things, me. Those are me questions, your loan officer. That's who you want to go to for those. Now, my assistant, once we get an application from you guys, that's usually at that point, I'll get her involved, right? So now we need documents. And I will repeat this because I will always keep repeating this. If your loan officer does not ask you for a bare minimum of pay stubs, last two years W-2s or last two years tax returns, your bank statements to verify how much money you have, run. If they're giving you a letter and they haven't asked for at least a minimum of those documents, you do not have a pre-approval. You have a pre-qual. That means nothing because nothing is verified. So I will always throw that as a reminder into the show because it is so, so important, you guys. I know it's more work, but take ownership of your home buying process, right? Be empowered. Take ownership of it. Make sure you're getting an accurate pre-approval up front. Save yourself the heartache. Do the work up front. Okay. Now that I have done my rambling there and set that back into everyone's minds, my assistant, she will reach out to you. She introduces herself. We're working hand in hand. And I really utilize my assistant to help with documents because we get full documents for all of our pre-approvals and it's a lot of work. I can't stress enough how much I don't want <laughs> to review mountains and mountains of paperwork. Like I don't find enjoyment in it. So when I ask you guys for them, I'm not like, oh my God, I'm so excited to like look at all your bank statements and your pay. Like, no, we're asking for it because we need it. And it is very time consuming. It's a lot of work and it's very easy to miss things or maybe you provide something that unfortunately would lead us to ask for something additional. That's really where my assistant comes into play up front for my clients. 
is she's going to help walk you guys through that. She's going to let you know what we need. She's going to help you with your questions on the documents, help get those items in. You know, if we need more, she's going to work with you on that. You know, that's my initial first step kind of with utilizing her. Then after that, let's say now you've gone out, right, with all your real estate people, you found your home, now you're under contract. What what role is next in the mortgage world? Because it does not stop with just me as the loan officer and then your loan officer assistant. It goes past that. So the next person or the next role in the cookie jar, hand in the cookie jar, is going to be your loan processor. What is a loan processor? What do they do? So this is actually something the first probably, I think it was about four, four and a half years of my career, I was a processor first before I became a loan officer assistant and then became a loan officer. But a processor, this is probably not the formal definition, but the definition I would give is they are kind of the tie amongst all parties, if that makes sense. So most processors are going to communicate with you as the buyer. Once you go under contract, we get your loan, we get you all set up, we get you locked in, we send you fees, your disclosures to sign. The processor is going to go through everything we collected, me and my assistant up front, and they're going to say, I think the underwriter might need X, or maybe they need this. And they're going to neatly package your loan together to send to a underwriter. Once your loan comes out of underwriting and you get a list of additional items needed for a final approval, your processor works with you directly as the buyer to get all those items in, as well as a lot of other parties in the transaction to get their items in. Because it's not just you as the buyer that has to provide things. Other parties, like how we talked about the title company, right? We have to get certain documents from the title company in order to get your final approval. And the loan processor is the one that's communicating with all these parties, packaging everything together nicely for an underwriter so they can approve your loan, which is a great leeway to the next role, which is the underwriter. Okay, let's, let's spend a little bit of time on this, underwriters. And I'm going to backtrack just a little bit too. Part of where you might run into issues or you might, you know, if you have friends that have bought homes, you might hear them say, oh my gosh, they asked for all these documents and they asked for them last minute and blah, 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 blah. It's usually coming down to underwriting. So this piece to the mortgage industry, I don't necessarily agree with. I think it could use a little bit of fixing. Uh, That is a whole other can of worms we're not going to open today. But you have your loan officer. Your loan officer structures your loan They verify your documents. They verify your income. They tell you, right? I tell you, 
I get you a letter and I say, you can get this. You can get it. You know, and then obviously there's verbiage in there like, oh, pending underwriting approval, pending this, pending that. But at the end of the day, I'm giving you a letter that says, you know, you're going to qualify for this. As long as you get approved for it, you're going to qualify for it. But I have no power as a loan officer, and not just me as a loan any loan officer does not have power or authority to approve or deny your loan. Yet, we are the ones giving you the letter that says you can do it. We actually have no power in it at all. The underwriter does. The underwriter is the one that they look at all your documents, they calculate your income, and they're going to verify that everything meets the guidelines. An underwriter's job is to make sure that the mortgage company has a purchasable loan. What does that mean? In the mortgage world, most lenders, once you close on a loan, are going to sell your loan to a loan servicer. This is how a majority of mortgage companies make money. I'll do another episode for you guys where we really can like deep dive into how the mortgage cycle works. But for simplicity's sake today, that's, that's kind of how it works. If we sell a loan, mortgage company sells a loan, and that loan was approved and funded, but did not meet the guidelines. It will not be purchased. It will get put back, and that lender will have to buy back your loan and then service it. If a lender has too many buybacks, they lose, they, they go underwater. Company out. An underwriter's job is to make sure that you have a purchasable loan that is underwritten to the guidelines. Not that underwriters don't care about you, but this this can kind of be a discrepancy, right, between roles. Like me as a loan officer, my whole goal is to get you into a home. Like I'm communicating with you directly, I feel you, I feel your feelings, your emotions, everything you're going through. We get, like, there's a personal connection. You are a human being, and I am trying to get you into a home. Underwriters, you're not allowed to talk to underwriters, too, mind you. So that can, I can see where sometimes it can be challenging, right? If you're a buyer going through the mortgage process, and your loan officer or processor or the loan officer assistant's like, hey, we need this, the underwriter. And you're like, oh, can I just talk? No, can't talk to the underwriter because they don't want all those emotions and feelings and that connection we all get because we're talking to you guys. You don't want that with underwriting. An underwriter's job is to be unbiased to really just look at your documents in your loan and make sure if you meet guidelines or not. That's their job. They're the ones that actually approve or deny you. 
this is why I say it's so, so important that your loan officer does a thorough job up front to help circumvent or prevent underwriters coming back and saying, mm, sorry, you're denied because you didn't look at X, Y, Z. Or, mm, sorry, you can't qualify for as much as you thought because, you know, well, you didn't get all the income documents and you didn't calculate the income correctly. That's why it's so important. Uh, and one of the other things I want to point out in this process, too, because I know one of the problems in the mortgage industry as a whole, I hear it all the time, is, well, why are we asking for these documents now? You know, oh, a week or X number of days before closing, and we didn't ask for them before. Your loan officer, your loan officer assistant, and your processor pretty much see your loan every single day. As you piece send documents in, we're getting those documents as you piece send them. We see them, right? The day you send them, we see them. Underwriters, who are the ones that are actually asking for the documents, they do not. Underwriters don't see your documents as you're piece sending them in. We probably think they do because you're like, well, everyone else is seeing them, so why isn't the underwriter seeing them? You can't. It, it would overwhelm the process in the kind of conveyor belt line a little bit too much to have underwriters in loans like that all day, every day. So what happens, once you go under contract for a home, your loan officer, assistant, processor, put your loan together, they give it to an underwriter for the first time, usually. Sometimes you can have an underwriter look at things at a pre-approval stage, but usually the first time an underwriter sees anything is after you're under contract for a home. All right. Your loan goes to an underwriter. All those initial documents you sent, those should all be going to an underwriter, which is, again, why if your loan officer is asking for enough documents up front, that helps your underwriter because your underwriter is going to get a much more full picture right at the beginning versus at the end. Then the processor works to help get those items. They usually do not send your loan back to the underwriter until they have almost everything or everything. Remember, we're getting things from other parties too that aren't just you. Title company. And I have other third-party we're going to go over after we finish this mortgage piece. So you're piece sending all these things in, but an underwriter is not actually going to see them until everything's in and other parties items are in that are needed to get your loan. So we get all those. It goes back to an underwriter. Well, again, your loan officer, the assistant, the processor, were not underwriters. So an underwriter could see it. They look at all your documents and they go, oh, well, based on this document, I need this document now. Or based on this document, now we have a problem. And so it's coming up at the ninth hour because the underwriter truly didn't see it again until that point in time. And it's a problem in the business I would love to fix it someday, working on that. But for right now, that's kind of how the process works. And so just to give you guys a little bit of an understanding as to why that happens, in most cases, it's not laziness. 
it's not people dropping the ball. It's simply underwriters who are the ones that are actually signing off, approving the documents, the loan. They don't see everything on a daily basis, like the other parts to a mortgage, you know, other roles in the mortgage industry that we do, you know, working on your loan. And the last role I really want to touch on on the mortgage side is going to be the closer and the funder. So closer, funder, kind of the same thing. But once an underwriter gives you the three magic words, clear to close. Ooh. Yay! Clear to close. Once you get those three famous words, from that point, you will get a closer or a funder same thing, assigned to your loan. You as the buyer usually will not have any communication with them, pretty much the same as the underwriter. But that closer will work in conjunction with the title company to balance all the fees down to the penny. They will get them your loan package, that nice big fat package that you sign on the day of closing. The closer is the one that puts that all together. And then they will send the lender's wire or whatever your loan is, right? How much you're you're getting. They send that to the title company so that you can purchase your home. Because in most cases, they're not getting involved until the end. And a lot of times they kind of get rushed, right? Because let's say you get a clear to close the day before closing. Well, no, they, that closer ain't getting anything till the day before closing. I personally would not want to be a closer. Just... Same, but I have mad respect and kudos for closers and funders. They're amazing. They do a great job. Um, and they're kind of that last bit in the mortgage process. All right, let's go to the last category of roles involved, hands in the cookie jar. This is going to be other parties or maybe like third third party parties. Yes. <laughs> so what I was saying, how there's other roles and people where we have to get things from them, right, to get your loan closed. So we talked about the title company a lot. But some other ones, a big one, the appraiser. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Most cases you are not getting a loan without an appraisal, which means you need an appraiser. And how does that kind of work? Well, after the crash in 08, because you had a lot of lenders, realtors, and appraisers that were kind of shady. Shady. Uh-huh. They were all like in bed with each other. It just wasn't, wasn't a good situation. So after 08, now when we order an appraisal, I, as your lender, cannot actually have direct contact with an appraiser. Everything is done through a third-party appraisal management company. Wow, that's a mouthful. But yes, there's a third-party appraisal management company. We place an order with them, and they basically have a panel of appraisers, and they will take care of assigning everything to an appraiser and helping the communication rights of an appraiser if we need an update, we can't just go to the appraiser. We have to go to the appraisal management company, who then goes to the appraiser, who then 
comes back to them to come to us. So hopefully you can see just by me talking about it there, how easy it can get <laughs> to maybe like lose something in translation because you're like playing telephone, right? Like, hey, I got to go to you and then you got to go to you and it's got to come back to them to come back to me to get you an answer. It's telephone. So things can sometimes get lost in translation. Usually they don't, but it definitely is a possibility. And that appraisal is a very important component and piece to the process, right? If your appraisal comes in low, all different kinds of things you got to do there. If it comes in overvalue, nothing really extra you have to do, just great extra equity for you. But it's needed, it's required. If there's repairs that are needed, that's going to come back on an appraisal. On and on and on. Another party would be your homeowner's insurance agent. If you are getting a mortgage, you cannot get a clear to close without homeowner's insurance on the property. Your lender and your real estate agent, we are not homeowner's insurance agents. So get yourself a good homeowner's insurance agent that's timely, responsive, can get you a good quote, get you a good price, can answer all your questions. Uh, yeah, I, I don't ever, I'm, mm, insurance, not my, I can estimate in an area how much insurance might come in at, roughly B, but I don't want to do more than that. Like that is an insurance agent all the way. And that's something to consider too, right? No matter the type of loan you are doing for your mortgage, you have to have insurance. If you cannot get homeowner's insurance on your property, you cannot get a mortgage. End of story. <laughs> I actually had this come up earlier this year, maybe end of last year, where it wasn't actually the buyer, but the, it was a condo located in a flood zone. And if your property is located in a flood zone, you are required to have flood insurance. Now, in the case of a condo, the condo project has to have flood insurance because you, as the buyer, don't actually own the building. You just own your pocket of air, like, inside in your little space. Well, this project did not have flood insurance, and they did not want to get flood insurance. And what does that mean? That meant the condo project could not be financeable. The buyer could not get a mortgage at that condo project because there was no flood insurance. It's really important, you guys. Really important. You can't get a loan without it. Now, the last two I'm going to go over, which you may or may not have. That's why I say upwards of potentially 16 parties. A home inspector. Now, on the mortgage piece of things, Oftentimes, we don't need inspections. Every now and again, we do, but usually we don't. So, but that being said, I always recommend, don't skip on it, get yourself a home inspection. That way you guys know what things maybe are coming up. That way you know what to fix or keep on the lookout for once you buy the property. So your home inspector, oh, and most of your contracts are going to have an inspection period as well, meaning that let's say you have a seven-day inspection period. 
you have seven days to cancel the contract and still get your deposit money back, you know, essentially free and clear. So it's important to have a good home inspector, one that you trust. You know, I definitely, again, this is where, right, maybe have your own buyer's agent and representative instead of if you're looking at having a listing agent represent you as the buyer and the seller because it might there might be a slight bias to pick a home inspector that maybe might not disclose everything to you guys just saying things to kind of keep in mind take ownership of it get your own buyer's agent get your own home inspector that's there for you not for the seller for you as the buyer and seller get get one for yourself if you want to too not that you need one because you're not the one buying but if you really want one go get it on your own as well and the last one i'm going to go over and again this might depend on the state that you live in but you might have a surveyor that has to go out to the property in the state of florida unless you are purchasing a condo you need a survey to close. It's a requirement. Like I remember when I was buying my home here in Florida and I was buying around the holiday season. So everyone, right, is on vacation. Everyone's taking time off. And we didn't miss the closing date, but I was like, I want to close early. I want to close early. And we could not get a surveyor to get out to the property early. And it's needed. I can't close on my loan in my home without a survey. Now, surveyors, uh, this is a good, so like an appraisal and then a survey, right? In all cases that I'm aware of, your lender is the one who communicates with, orders the appraisal, gets that all going. But your title company is the one that's getting the surveyor involved, ordered, making sure it's in, on and on and on. So it's a lot, it's a lot. And we can see why, or I'm hoping you guys can see why maybe some things come up or why things might get lost in translation or why closing dates might get pushed or why documents get asked for at the ninth hour. You know, the process is not perfect by any means and there's so much room for improvement in the system in how things are done but for the way it is it's the way it is and again not that that alleviates any frustrations but maybe just understanding a little bit more about really what goes on behind the curtain how many different parties involved the grand importance of each role you know that each role plays in the process is huge and if all the parties work really well with one another, it can go so smoothly and quickly and easily. But gosh, if you got some parties that are not cooperating, it's like pulling teeth, you know, especially speaking on the lending side. If your underwriter is not cooperating, it's probably one of the most challenging annoying grievances that us loan officers have is 
you know, if there's a, a disconnect there or your underwriter is not doing something you'd like them to or communicating in a way that you would like them to, it can get a little frustrating. But we're all here to do our best. You know, at the end of the day, hopefully all the parties involved are looking out for your best interest as the buyer, the best interest of the seller, you know, to help make sure everything's done correctly, goes smoothly for you guys. At the end of the day, that's what we're here for. And like I always say, be empowered, take control of your process, talk to people, right? Talk to the lender, talk to their assistant, talk to the processor, talk to the transaction coordinator, talk to the title company. Like everyone's involved, everyone's doing things. Like make a list, know who everyone is, like write everyone out, write their numbers, their emails so you can easily communicate with them. You know, what, whatever it is you need, but it's your process. It's your home buying process. It's not mine. It's yours. So own it. Own it. Respect it. Find people that fit you, right, and your needs and your wants that are going to listen to you that you're going to work well with. It's yours. So that's it. That's all I got for you guys today. Hope that gives you a little bit of a sneak peek. And as always, I'd love to hear from you guys. So if there's things you really like about the show or topics that you really want to learn more about, deep dive on, please feel free to reach out to me. You can send me a DM. So I'm on all the social media platforms, Lending with Leah, or I've got an email to lendingwithleah at gmail.com. So feel free to shoot me an email as well. And outside of that, we'll see you guys again next week.